Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for the hope that we have. But as we begin this Advent season, we think about the hope that you have given us in Jesus Christ. So, Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that hope of that glorious day when we will be with him, you, and your kingdom. And all the troubles and the trials of this world have passed away. Oh Lord, would it be that each and every person here today would be a part of your kingdom on that day. But Lord, if there is one today who is still living in rebellion, I pray, Lord, that you would turn his heart to see Jesus today. To bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Surrender to Christ. Our King. Oh Lord, come and speak to our hearts today. And this I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. We'll be looking at verses 33 through 46 this morning. Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. Continuing our series on kingdom parables. Kingdom parables. We've been looking at kingdom parables. That is, parables that specifically tell us something about the kingdom. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. And so we started last week. We began uh, the first of three parables on kingdom authority. Kingdom authority. And last week we looked at the parable of the two sons. And there we learned this lesson, endless challenge to the two, the two Jesus' authority leads to exclusion from God's kingdom while repentance and submission leads to eternal inclusion. So endless challenge to Jesus' authority leads to exclusion from God's kingdom while repentance and submission leads to eternal inclusion. That was in the parable of the two sons. And now today we come to the parable of the tenants. The parable of the tenants. And we'll see the lesson that we have here for us today. So if you found your place there in Matthew 21, verses 31, or 33 uh, through 46, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. 
And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And, it, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priest and the Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowd because they hailed him to be a prophet. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Well, many today are up in arms because of the lack of allegiance to America that we see taking place in the National Football League. With all the players taking a knee during the, the pre presentation of the flag and the national anthem. A lot of people have gotten their feathers riled about that. I can understand that. I'm a patriot myself and I serve my country and uh, it kind of irritates me a bit. Uh, but it also... Uh, I have to understand that I serve to give them the right to protest in such a manner, but it also gives us the right, uh, all of us, to protest by not watching them do so. So we can do that. And a lot of Americans have, have spoke out against that and shown their, uh, their uh, anger at the NFL for allowing this to take place by... Stopping to go to ball games and quitting, to, quitting watching the ball games on TV. And in fact, today, the NFL's ratings have dropped 7.5%. A lot of this due to that, uh, that lack of allegiance to America displayed by so many of the players and even some of the coaches there in the NFL. And so allegiance to America, we understand, is that very important to most of us. Most all of us would agree with that. We, would, we don't like that. We don't like it when people show disrespect to the flag and disrespect to our country. We have that sense of patriotism. We have that sense of allegiance. But what is more important and what should be more important to we as Christians is, is not so much allegiance to America, but allegiance to Christ and His kingdom. We should be more disturbed when we see our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ showing disrespect to God, His kingdom, His word, and His people. And we see here in today's lesson, today's sermon, we see that very thing coming about. In fact, what we learn in today's passage is this. Those who are allegiant to Christ Jesus will inherit God's kingdom. But those who rebel 
are doomed to judgment. Let me say that again. Those who are allegiant to Christ Jesus will inherit God's kingdom. But those who rebel are doomed to judgment. So allegiance is an important matter for God when it comes to him, his kingdom, and most especially God's king. So we see that here in this parable today. As we look at the parable, just beginning to look at it, let me uh, explain some things about the parable, the parable of the tenants. Uh, remember now, this is all in the, that, uh, under the topic, under the heading of kingdom authority. You have to remember back there in verse 23, you see the challenge to Jesus' authority. We talked about that last week. The chief priests and the elders of Jerusalem, they came to Jesus and they challenged him about his authority. By what authority, Jesus, do you do these things? By what authority do you clean out the temple, clear out the temple? By what authority do you teach the things that you teach? By what authority do you sit here and heal people? By what authority do you do these things? So his authority, his kingdom authority has been challenged. And so Jesus lays forth these three parables, this the second of those three. And so this is an answer to that challenge to his kingdom authority. As we look at this, this parable, now this parable has all of the characteristics of any good story. It begins with setting the stage and presenting the, the setting and the characters of the story. And so we have here the, the different characters, the master of the house, the tenants, the servants of the master, and the son. And so the master of the house, he builds this vineyard and he lends it out to tenants. Now when we think about how is this reflecting the kingdom of God, well let's think about who these, these characters represent. Of course the, the master of the house that is equal to God. That is God in the parable. And so God is the master of the house. The tenants, in this case, are the people of Israel, most particularly the leaders of Israel, those chief priests and the elders of, of Israel that Jesus is speaking to directly. They are the tenants. They are the ones that God, he, who built his vineyard, the promised land, he had let out his vineyard to the tenants, the people of Israel, to care for the promised land, to, to keep it pure, to keep it holy, to care for it, to be a light set on a hill for all the world to hear about God and his glory. And so they are the tenants. The servants of the master are the prophets the prophets whom God sent to the, the people of Israel. who sent, they, He sent him with his word, his message of the kingdom. And when we begin to look at the Old Testament, we see what they did to the prophets, the true prophets of Israel who came to the land at different times proclaiming the message of God. They would abuse them. They would speak poorly of them. And in some cases, they would even kill them. Uh, uh, tradition tells us that Isaiah, for instance, was martyred by, uh, by the king of Israel in his day. 
He was sawn in two by him. Uh, that sounds like a terrible way to go. And so they, they persecuted the prophets, the ones who came with the word of God, and they killed so many of them. And so Jesus is pointing back to those days, to the past, when the prophets who came and the people disregarded them, disrespected them, and even put them to death because of the message that God had sent them to preach in their time. And so we get then to the son. The master of the house says, I will send my son. Surely they will not kill my son. But of course, the son in the parable represents Jesus Christ himself. And at this point, this is a prophetic parable, isn't it? Because this is Passion Week. Jesus is beginning, he is at the beginning of Passion Week, and he is beginning to, to reveal what's going to happen come Friday. And he says, the son, they take out of the vineyard, and they kill him. And it was so that the religious leaders of Israel... They take the son out of the vineyard, out of Jerusalem, and they take him to Golgotha, and they kill him. And so we see this parable working out in reality. And so the, the characters are set forth, the scene is set. The climax of the story, of course, is the killing of the son. When they take the son out to kill him, outside of the vineyard but then there's the resolution Jesus begins it with this asking this question oh, what will the what will the vine owner or excuse me what will the owner of the vineyard when he comes what will he do to those tenants he's asking this to the religious leaders who are standing before him he is backing them into a corner. They don't know that this, the trap has been set yet, but they answer, he will certainly put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruit in their seasons. I got you. I got you. Jesus said, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is a marvelous, it is marvelous in our eyes. The stone is Jesus Christ. And here are those religious leaders rejecting the stone that the Lord has set as the chief cornerstone of his kingdom. They have rejected him. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits and the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and when this stone falls on anyone it will crush him now let's think about this parable as we look at the the passage here as we think about this and look at this we can identify from this passage three attitudes of rebellion. Three attitudes of rebellion that we should be aware of. And conversely, we can also spot, identify three attitudes of allegiance to the kingdom of God. So first, three attitudes of rebellion, and then 
look at three attitudes of allegiance to the kingdom of God. Three attitudes of rebellion. First of all, we see the attitude of contempt. The attitude of contempt. Uh, these, these tenants here that the master of the house has let out to these tenants, these tenants, when the servants of the master comes, they treat the tenants with, or they treat his servants with contempt. They beat them, they mock them, they spit on them, they kill them. We have to understand here that when the master sends his servants, those servants are not coming on their own accord. They're not coming to gather the fruits for themselves. They are coming for the master. They are ambassadors for the master. Now, when you are an ambassador for one, you come as that one with his authority. You don't speak on your own authority. You speak upon the authority of the ruler from which you come. And so we think about this, we must think about this, when those who come in the name of the Lord are treated with contempt, God is being treated with contempt. Let me tell you, dear friend, when you treat the servants of the Lord, the ones who come in the name of the Lord, with the message of the Lord, as the people of the Lord, when you treat them with contempt, you treat God with contempt. Hear that warning, dear friends. When you treat God's servants with contempt, you're treating God with contempt. We see this illustrated in 1 Corinthians, first, or excuse me, not 1 Corinthians, 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 19. We here, here have a story of King David and an Ammonite, Ammonite king. Let me just read it for you. Now, after... This, Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, died, and his son reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal kindly with Hanan, the son of Nahash, for his father dealt kindly with me. So David sent messengers to console him concerning his father. And David's servants came to the land of the Ammonites and, Hanan, the count, and to Hanan to console him. But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanan, Did you think because David has sent comforters to you that he is honoring your father? Have not his servants come to you to search out and to overthrow and to spy out the land? So Hanan took David's servants and shaved them and cut off their garments in the middle at their hips and sent them away. And they departed. When David was told concerning the men, he sent messengers to meet them, for the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Remain at Jericho until your beards have grown, and then return. Now, I think we can see the moral of this story is that a man without a beard should be ashamed. All right. <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. I just had to throw that one in there. No, but as you continue on in this story, uh, we see that because of, of what they did to David's ambassadors, the Ammonites, Scripture says, became a stench to David. 
They became a stench to King David. You see, because what this Ammonite king did to these servants of David, that was to do it to David himself. When they treated David's servants with contempt, they were treating David with contempt. And so it goes on in chapter 20 of 1 Chronicles, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to war, Joab, that is David's uh, four-star general, the commander of his armies, Joab led out the army and ravaged the country of the Ammonites and, became, and came and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. And Joab struck down Rabbah and overthrew it. And David came and took the crown of their king from his head. He found that it weighed a talent of gold and in it was a precious stone. And it was placed on David's head, and he brought out the spoil of the city, a very great amount. And he brought out the people who were in it and set them to labor with saws and iron picks and axes. And thus David did to all the cities of the Ammonites. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. When the Ammonites showed contempt, to David's servants they showed contempt to David and David judged them accordingly dear friends when the people of this world treat God's word with contempt treat God's messengers with contempt treat God's people with contempt thus they treat God with contempt when they treat God with contempt, God will come and God will judge accordingly. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells of the day of the Lord that is to come. And he says there that on that day he will separate out the people of the world like the shepherd separates out the goats from the sheep. And the go of the sheep the sheep represent the people of God. The sheep he will set at his right hand. And the goats he will set upon his left. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 through 46, Jesus says, Then he will say to those on his left, those are the goats, the rebels, the ones who have treated God with contempt. He will say to them, Depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they, then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So an attitude of rebellion is the attitude of Contempt. Excuse me. Second is the attitude of entitlement. The attitude of entitlement. 
Look at these servants here. Uh, you can see here that they feel entitled to the fruits that they have. That's why they don't give it to the servants. Why should we give it to the servants? Why should we give it to the king? We've done all this work. We've done all the labor. Who cares that the property belongs to him? Who cares if he built it all? It belongs to us. We should have it. They have this sense of entitlement. And that sense of entitlement, that attitude of entitlement, is an attitude of sin. It is a sinful attitude. We're not entitled to anything. God owns everything. And he only gives according to his blessings. And we are blessed when he gives so graciously. But so many have that attitude of entitlement. These religious rulers here have that attitude of entitlement. John 8, chapter 31 through 37, Jesus talking to the, another group of religious leaders says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham. And have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you, are, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet... You seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You see, they had this attitude of entitlement. We are the children of Abraham. God owes it to us. He owes it to us because we are children of Abraham. We are the offspring of Abraham. How many people in the church today have that same sense of an, an entitlement? My grandpa built this church. My grandparents founded this building. My family's been, uh, uh, been Baptist as far back as, as we can remember. I'm entitled to eternal life. No, you're not. None of us are entitled to anything. It's only by God's grace that we have any hope of salvation. We have the attitude of contempt, the attitude of entitlement, and the third attitude of rebellion is the attitude of self-centeredness, self-centered attitude. Notice that these servants had no concern for their master, no care for his servants, nor even his son. They didn't care about anyone but themselves. They were completely self-centered and self-concerned. So it bothered them not that, that they, they stoned people and killed people because their own self-interest was at their heart. Well, none, we can understand this today. We see this very evident in our culture. Baby boomers, those born post-World War II, that is, between 1946 and 1964, have been called the me generation. 
because of their self-involvement and narcissistic uh, tendencies, they're often associated, uh, that are often associated with that generation. Now, if you are a baby boomer here today, and I know there are many here, don't think that I'm just picking on you, I'm not. Because the statistics show that that sense of self-centeredness has continued on and is only, if anything, just growing more and more. According to, to Joel Stein of Times Magazine, the me generation produced the millennials, that is those born between 1981 and 1991, whom he calls the me, me, me generation. Stein writes, here's the cold hard data. The incidence of narcissistic personality disorder is nearly three times as high for people in their 20s as for the generation that's now 65 or older, according to the National Institute of Health. 58% more college students scored higher on a narcissism scale in 2009 than in 1982. Millennials got so many participation trophies growing up that a recent study showed that 40% believed they should be promoted every two years regardless of their performance. We are a self-centered, self-absorbed generation. All of us. And the next generation has already been deemed the selfie generation. The selfie generation exhibits their self-centered narcissism by the constant barrage of selfies that they post on social media. Why would people be concerned about pictures of the Grand Canyon when they can look at me? the society in which we live I mean take a scroll in Facebook and look what is there oh you get because everybody should be concerned about me everybody's interested in me and that's all of us it's not this next generation it's all of us it's not just a it's not uh, an American thing. It, it's not just a uh, these generational type thing. This is a human condition. We are born selfish and self-centered. From the very beginning, we cry out. We don't care about what the family has going on when we're babies. We cry when we want something because we're selfish. By nature, we are selfish and self-centered. You see, I want you to see, dear friend, this isn't just kind of some, some foreign attitudes that, that we're not familiar with. Each and every one of us should be familiar with each and every one of these attitudes because if we're honest, we've, each and every one of us have displayed these attitudes at times in our lives. We have shown contempt for the word of God when we fail to obey it. We show contempt for God when we fail to heed the word of God day in and day out. 
We show entitlement when we pray, God, why don't you give this to me? I want it so bad. Why don't you give it? Why don't you give it? Why don't you give it? Entitlement. I deserve it, God. Why don't you give it to me? Why don't you answer my prayer? And self-centeredness. We are so self-absorbed. These are attitudes of rebellion and attitudes for which God will judge the world. But these are contrasted by the attitudes, these attitudes of rebellion are contrasted by attitudes of allegiance. Attitudes of allegiance. And this is what we should be striving for. Attitudes of allegiance. First of all, Instead of contempt, we should show respect towards God. Respect for God and respect for His Word, for His Word is His will. Psalm 3, 8 through 9 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord, that is to revere the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him, for, because, He spoke. God spoke and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. You exist because God spoke you into existence. He willed that you live. And how dare you show Him contempt? We must respect and honor God as our Creator. Second is the attitude of gratitude, not entitlement. The attitude of gratitude. Colossians 3, 16 through 17, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching you and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Are you thankful for what God has blessed you with in life? Are you thankful for the salvation that He has given you in Jesus? Let go of entitlement and embrace the attitude of gratitude. And third is not self-centeredness, but kingdom-centered kingdom-centered attitude focusing our life not on our own wants not on our own desires but focusing them on the kingdom of God Matthew 6 19 through 21 Jesus says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there, my friend, your heart will be also. Dear friend, are you laying up treasures on this earth? Selfish, self-centered treasures? Are you laying up treasures in heaven? Focusing on God's kingdom. Living for God's kingdom and for God's glory. Oh, I pray that we would let go of those attitudes of rebellion and strive to live out 
and live with those attitudes, attitudes of allegiance, respect, gratitude, and kingdom-centered. Well, not only do we see here the, these attitudes of rebellion and allegiance, but we also see the rewards of each. We see the rewards of each. There in the final verses, verses 43 through 44, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when this stone falls on anyone, it will crush him. Dear friend, I want you to see here today the rebel's reward. The rebel's reward is God's judgment. The rebel's reward is God's judgment. Israel was judged because of what they did to the king of God's kingdom. They took him out of Jerusalem and they hung him on a tree. They murdered him and they were judged because of what they did to God's king. And God took the kingdom away from Israel and gave it to a people producing its fruit. He gave it to the Gentiles. Those who were repented and turned away from their rebellion and turned to Christ. And dear friend, that is only an example, an illustration of the judgment that is to come. When Christ returns, he will raise all people from the dead. And the, re the rebel will receive his just reward and eternity in a devil's hell where God's righteous judgment will be poured out upon him and her for all of eternity. The rebel's reward is God's eternal judgment. But notice the allegiance reward is God's kingdom it was taken away from the Israelites who, who rejected Christ as king and given to the Gentiles, to the tax collectors, to the prostitutes who received the kingdom, who received Jesus Christ, who turned to him, repented from their sins, turned away from their sins, and turned to Jesus. Those who received Jesus as Lord in their life, they received God's kingdom. They received God's kingdom. And it's not just as citizens of the kingdom, but it's children of the kingdom. Those who receive Christ receive Christ's reward. As children of God. Oh, dear friends, Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Scripture here tells us or warns us warns those who continue to live in rebellion, but because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And he will render to each one according to his works to those who by patience and well-doing, seeking for glory and honor and immortality, will have, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. There will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. 
the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no uh, partiality. Dear friend, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter who your parents are, who your grandparents are. It doesn't, none of that matters. What matters if you obey the truth, obey the Word of God, obey the Gospel. Dear friend, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? If not, dear friend, today... Change your attitude towards the kingdom. Change your disposition toward the kingdom. Pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God. Pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Turn to Him. Turn to Him. Surrender to Christ. He will save you. He will save you from the judgment do your rebellion and give you a king's reward in his eternal kingdom. Do you know him today? Those who are allegiant to Christ Jesus will inherit God's, ju- God's kingdom. But those who rebel are doomed to judgment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Father, we all must confess that we are all rebels against your kingdom at one time or the other. And Lord, we are thankful, thankful for your grace and your mercy, thankful for the gift of peace that you brought us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord Jesus, you came and you lived a perfect life. And yet you died on the cross, your body broken, your blood poured out, taking on the judgment for our sin, being raised again to give give us eternal life in you. Oh Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. And Lord, if there's one today who does not know Jesus, living in rebellion, Oh, Lord, let them see Jesus. Let them turn away from the rebellion. Turn to Christ. Giving their full allegiance to Him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.